You just have to learn how long you stay in each phase of your menstrual cycle if you're still in your reproductive age and then adapt to it, right? And that's the hallmark of a sexy, empowered woman is because she knows herself. And one of the rites of passage, if you will, as a woman is to understand how you are uniquely different, not only just from men, but from other women. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Did you know that you can leverage your menstrual cycle to your advantage when it comes to boosting energy, metabolism, and most importantly, creativity? Now, when it comes to your menstrual cycle, we can actually use the four different phases of it as a way of indicating how to eat and work out for optimal health, fertility, and even, as I mentioned before, boosting that metabolic rate. Now, it's no surprise that we are constantly evolving throughout the month while we are still experiencing a menstrual cycle as our body and hormones fluctuate throughout those four different phases of our cycle. Because of these cyclical changes on our body, our bodies have different needs. And it's finally time that we fully understand those needs and adapt to them. And I can't think of a better way to help you tap into your physical and emotional potential than having a deeper understanding for how to nourish and move your body throughout your menstrual cycle, especially in perimenopause, where it could feel like it's getting a little wonky. That's why I'm excited to have Dr. Stephanie Estima joining me today to share exactly how to approach eating and training throughout your cycle. But before we bring her on, I am excited to announce that the Perimenopause and Menopause Relief Summit is finally happening right now. Now, it just started. Now, if you are 35 years old or older, we're talking about perimenopause, menopause, even beyond menopause, and you're struggling with hormones or you're looking for powerful, sustainable solutions to address hormone challenges, I am hosting an epic event that I am excited to invite you to for free. Right now, literally right this second, 37 of the best doctors and experts in the women's hormone space, including Dr. Stephanie Estima, are sharing their best advice, their best recommendations, protocols, literally for the most disruptive hormone issues any of us, all of us could be facing. I'm so excited about what is going on right now, what you're going to gain from this incredible event. And I cannot wait for you to experience the incredible transformation based on the proven actionable protocols and recommendations that all of these doctors and experts are given. Now, if you love this podcast, oh my goodness, you are going to love this summit because my goal always is to give you actionable steps that you can begin to implement literally today. So if you're ready for some fast acting solutions, to work for you without wasting any of your time, especially if you've tried everything else and you're feeling lost on what to do next. This event is your next step in creating more energy, focused, a boosted metabolism, libido, I mean, name it. And here's the thing, when you decide to invest your time in getting these solutions, you have made the best decision for your health and well-being because knowledge is power. And I get that. I get that 100%. That's why I host this podcast. That's why I write the books. It's because when we are armed with the right information, with the right types of protocols that we can begin to take action with like immediately, then 
everything shifts, everything changes. We get the transformation that we want. We get to keep doing the things that drive us, that bring us passion, that that motivate us. You know, because when we're struggling with our health and wellness, it's really hard to show up the way that we want to show up in the world. And that is why I'm so excited for this event. So in the show notes for this episode, which is 257, you can grab your free seat. Plus, you're going to get a bonus guide. And let me tell you how many people have been going after this bonus guide. Literally over 100,000 people have got their hands on this bonus guide. It's my top 14 hormone-loving recipe guide. It's got a turkey burger recipe in there. It's got some really yummy, delicious, sexy recipes that I make all of the time that have been huge for supporting my hormones, my metabolism. I mean, my body just functioning properly. So be sure to register for the summit for free. Get your free hormone guide. And absolutely, if there's someone in your life that you're thinking about right now who you know would benefit from this, who is struggling with brain fog, who's talking about burnout, who is going to bed with migraines or waking up with with night sweats, whatever it may be, and this feels in alignment with what they're going through, or maybe it has a solution for them, let them know about it. Again, the link will be in the show notes, or you just go to reliefsummit.com slash Marisa. And that is M-A-R-I-Z-A. All right. Now, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Dr. Stephanie Estima, one of my besties. But first, I want to sing her praises. Dr. Stephanie Estima is an expert in metabolism and body composition. She is a doctor of chiropractic with special interest in functional neurology, brain metabolism, and specific application of the ketogenic diet and fasting to the female physiology. She has an amazing framework called the Estima Method, where she really actualizes human potential and physiology so that you achieve long-lasting longevity and energy. She is a top writer on medium.com, And she's got a book literally dropping right now called The Betty Body, A Geeky Goddess's Guide to Intuitive Eating, Balanced Hormones, and Transformative Sex. I'll tell you what, this book is incredible. And it's why we have her on the show today, because we're going to be talking about that. So let's welcome her to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Stephanie Estima. How are you doing today, girl? So good. And I'm so happy to be here with you again. It's been wonderful. We've been spending a little bit of time together in the past couple of weeks and just thrilled every time I get to spend some time with you. Hmm. I am so thrilled to get to spend time with you. I mean, we get to be the geeky goddesses and just kind of get into it, really helping to support women in their 40s and their 50s, navigate the terrain of shifting hormones and everything everything that is going on all the big work that the women are doing in the world, making sure that they're doing well. And your book is out. Congratulations. I am so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But specifically, we're talking about metabolic flexibility. We're talking about intuitive eating. And we're talking about how to eat for our cycle because many of us, although our cycles are getting a little wonky, we still have one. That's right. Yes, we do still have one and we have one until we don't anymore. So, you know, thinking about how we can be honoring our biology as it changes is what is going to help stabilize um, moods. It's going to help with energy and brain fog, and it's going to help with body composition, how you look and how you feel. So yeah, even though there are changes that happen in perimenopause, which we can talk about today, it's also really important for us to honor that change and to be able to adapt to some of those changes through our nutrition, through our training regimens, 
in how we treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say, like, real talk. I don't know how well some of us do around honoring those changes. I think that there, there's a little bit of grieving that we're moving into this new phase and the way that culture has painted it, the way that the medical industry has painted it, it, it feels like we aren't moving into this incredible next new journey, that we're losing something on the back end. So talk to me about how we can, and I think a lot of what you're offering in this book will allow us to really honor and to to nurture where we're at. But how can we begin to reframe all of this, you know, especially as things begin to feel like they are out of our control? That's such a good question. And you're absolutely right. When we look at celebrities, when we look at movie, you know, it's, you never get like the hot 55 year old, you know, you always have like that woman's always wearing like a cardigan and like, there's nothing wrong with a cardigan, but like, you know, she has no sexuality to her. She's not JLo at the Super Bowl. She's not JLo at the Super Bowl. <laughs> and actually, you know, it's mentioning JLo and Shakira, those were actually pivotal moments for me. You know, one, my background being Portuguese and Lebanese. So Shakira is Colombian and Lebanese and JLo is someone I was, she was the first woman who I was like, wow, someone actually looks like me. Like she's got the butt that I do. She's got the curves that I do on, you know, kind of on when she first came on to, uh, in living color or, or whatever it was as a fly girl. But she, for me, really has redefined what it's like to move into menopause. Cause at the time when she did it, she was around 50 years old, maybe 49 or 50 years old. She was 50 girl. She was 50. Okay. So that, I mean, in and of itself, you know, the amount of flexibility and cardiovascular endurance and explosive power that that woman's body has is incredible. But I also don't think that that's just for JLo. Like, you know, yes, she has, you know, helpers and all that, but we can also harness some of the energy that we are now, you know, especially into menopause. There's a chapter in the book that I, I titled it, I'm still hot. It just comes in flashes now. And it's sort of done in like a little tongue in cheek, but we can, we are still absolutely very sexy and continue to have sensuality and, and sexiness well into our, you know, whatever age you want. I don't want to put any sort of number on it. It's really how you feel. And I think that we can do that by understanding and honoring our natural cycles as a woman. And if you think about menopause, one of the, you know, I, I've grown up in the like eight and we all have, we've all been marinating in this like youth, 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 youth is, youth is a thing, right? You have to look a certain way and fit into a certain archetype. But if you think about the energy that you put into every month to create this endometrial lining, once you move into menopause, you can now use that energy for other things. Like you can now harness that creative energy because that's what it is. You are creating a, a new organ essentially every single month in your reproductive years. As you move into menopause, that creative energy can now be harnessed to do some of the things that you are really interested in. It could be, it might be taking a class. It might be doing pole dancing like JLo's, you know, it could be any, anything that your heart desires. So it's, it's something where I've really reframed the journey for myself and for you know the Bettys that listen to me and that are going to buy the book, that it is an exciting transition because most of us, like, you know, I've had two kids, I'm kind of done, like I'm not having any more, but I'm still going to have my period until I don't, right? So I'm still going to be- right. Whether you're trying to get pregnant again or not, which right. you're not. 
which I'm not. That's that's happening. The biology is going to continue. That's right. The shop is closed for the baby making, but it's still going to happen no matter what. So when I move into my 50s and menopause, you know, and I and I'm menopausal, I'm excited for that now because I know some of the ways that we can change the metabolic hormonal landscape for us to really be able to optimize and, and profit off of that. I love that. I love the just being the awareness around shifting our consciousness, shifting our mindset. I was watching a, a show with Alex a couple of days ago, and there was this woman on a, a Good Housekeeping magazine, and my immediate thought was like, "Oh, she's in her like she's in her forties." And then I I like snapped back, and I was like, "I'm in my forties." Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, there's this stigma like when we were in our teens or our twenties that women in their forties were they look a certain way. They, they, you know, she had her little sweater on and everything. And it was kind of the look like of scary age. There was like a scary age. Like once you got to like 42, it's like, oh my God, that's like, you're old. You're it's sweet. over. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? And I just, I looked at my husband and I looked at my son. I was like, how is it that coming? How is that coming out of my mouth? And I had this, I had to have a little check yourself before you wreck yourself moment <laughs> because it's this ingrained cultural norms that we've we've unfortunately kind of been bombarded with or been brainwashed to believe without our consent they're in our brains without no our consent. consent yeah and yeah. it was that moment where i was like wait like i i know i don't look like that like like w- redefining what that is and i know that we are all so many of us are redefining that today like what 40 years old was to my grandma and maybe even to although my mama I'll tell you what. Your mama, she is beautiful. Your mother is gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's sexy. She just turned 60 a couple weeks ago. And the couple weeks before that, she had some 40-year-old men hitting on her. And this happens all the time, girl. All the time. This is not new. And and sh- and she just loves it. And she's got this gorgeous hair down to here. You know, it just she's just she's owned her power, she's owned her things since I can I can't even since I've since I've grown up, since I've known her. And you know, at 50 years old, she's she's always reclaimed her life for herself. And I, I just I'm so grateful to have my mom as a as someone to look up to. And we always joke with Alex like how lucky he is because of of the genetics. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if you want to know what she's going to look like, look to mom. That's she's right. Lucky mom. you. Yeah. <laughs> but sexiness is an inside job too, right? Like your mom like exudes sensuality and sexiness, but not in like a overt I'm looking for attention way, like in a rooted, grounded like I know who I am kind of way. Yeah. And that's what I, I that's where sexiness I think comes from. It's the confidence and the self-love and the belief that you can actually make a change if you want to. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book was for, I mean, I wrote it partly for myself. We always, you know, we get into the work that, you know, we, we do for our own healing in some ways. My period used to be like, God, it was like a gong show. Like, I think I've told you this before, but my period used to be like my arch nemesis. It was like every month I would try to force my way into eating a certain way, moving a certain way, no matter where I was in my menstrual cycle. And then of course, you know, I would have like punishing thoughts and like, punishing cardio, you know, restricting the calories and all these things. And of course my body would fight back like, no, you're a woman, you know, you're build that you need, you know, more calories at certain times of the month and more protein at certain times of the month. And I think when you try to force the play, right. When you try to force yourself into like, you know, fitting the square 
peg into the round hole as a lot of women often do with their diet and their training, you know, then you end up, you know, crashing and burning. I'd be like in the corner, in the fetal position, cleaning out the pantry, like the, you know, the chips and the cookies and the crackers were all cleaned out. Right. And it's like, what's wrong with me? Well, what was wrong with me was that I was a woman and I wasn't listening to my own body signals. I just wanted to add that in because I think when you accept yourself for who you are and you know who we are as women are not small men, we can't eat the same way all month long, we can't train the same way all month long, then you really you get to be sexier because you you know you have a much more intimate connection with yourself and an intimate knowing. Mm-hmm. It's so true. When you think about that, that confidence that you speak into, and I think that's the one thing that JLo has always attributed to her her sexiness is that she wears that confidence. Like that's what you see first. And when we really honor our bodies and we work with what we're given, that we really can create that. So let's talk about, you know, we're navigating things are shifting. One of the biggest things that start to shift for us, probably because It just wasn't on our radar originally, and that is body composition. Things are shifting. This is probably in all the surveys we've ran, which is well into the 15,000s of women, 40 plus. When we ask what's one of the most disruptive concerns, it's that they don't know what's going on with body composition. And like you said, trying to be that square peg, shoving yourself with shame and guilt into the round hole, trying to like fit into this, starve yourself, whatever you've got to do over exercise, and your body is just not responding. It's not responding. And a lot of women just feel like the scale is continuing to move up. They're putting on weight in areas they hadn't done before, and they're not, they don't know what to do. They don't feel like they have a viable solution. And we know that there is. Always. Yes. Yeah. So in the book, we sort of map out, I was saying to you this in the pre-chat, the way I've designed the book is sort of like a choose your own adventure, but there's definitely like a starting point. Like we all have to master certain foundational basics. And then there's sort of, we talk about a lot of different hormonal presentations and some of the solutions for them. So where we always want to be starting off with is thinking about stress and inflammation. So the first thing, one of the first chapters in the book is we talk about the effect of being in sympathetics and our stress response. So you, I know that you've talked about this on the podcast before. I listened to your podcast. So I know that you've had guests on who've talked about always having in this, being in this fight or flight response, being in this sympathetic tone or the sympathetic dominance. And when you are constantly there and you don't come back to that parasympathetic or vagal tone, you're not able to repair. You're not able to sleep. You're not able, it's, you know, it's called the rest and digest nervous system, like that's sort of the nickname for it, because those are some of the really important things that happen when you're in your parasympathetics. You're able to absorb your nutrients from your food. You're able to sleep and you're able to initiate and maintain sleep. And you're able to do all the things that happen, the metabolic and brain benefits that happen when you're sleeping. So if you're always stressed, and when when we say stressed, oftentimes women will think, well... I'm busy, but I'm not stressed, right? Or, you know, when I think of someone who's stressed, it's like someone who's red in the face, pulling out their hair, screaming at the top of their lungs. That doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily true for women. So we often talk about, and I talk about this in the book as well, we talk about the fight or flight response that we often attribute to the stress, you know, to being in in our sympathetics. But women also have another type of stress response. It's called the tend and befriend. So I often, I would find this often in my, uh, right before exam, 
exams. I was in chiropractic school. It was like, you know, it's big exam week. There's like 10 exams in like seven days. And I would be like, you know what I need to do right now? I need to clean my makeup. You know, I need to clean my makeup brushes or you know what I need to do right now? I need to reorganize my sock drawer. And it's like, I have like physiology, anatomy, biochemistry, all these like big exams. And I'm like, you know what? You know what's more important than this right now? I need to fix my bed. You know, <laughs> So if you are a woman... And you know we label this as procrastination. You know the sort of the patriarchal like you know world order order will call it. Well, this is like procrastination. No, it's actually an it's a response that women have because when we tend to our environment or we tend to our children, it helps us feel a sense of calm. Or when we want to speak to our friends, or I'd want to you know for me when I was right around exam time, I'd be like you know what I, I just need to have like a chat with my girlfriend, see what she's doing. It's because that oxytocin, what we're craving, is bonding. So we're tending to our children. Children, we're bonding with our children. We're going, you know, calling our friend, texting our friend, you know, whatever it is, Snapchatting our friend, whatever, whatever medium you're going to do that on. But what that's doing is that's flooding your cells in oxytocin. And that for women, that's very calming. That's actually how we get into our parasympathetics. So, and, and you know, in, in the book, I make this sort of joke that, you know, the girl's night out is actually really important for your neurological well-being. Like it's always like, you know, wine and women night. And maybe, you know, maybe you nix the wine and you, you know, get together and have some tea or you, you know, have a healthy meal together. But that connection and that community with women who you feel safe to be around and safe to be yourself with is actually incredibly healthy for bringing down your stress response. And of course, you know this very well, Doc, like when our cortisol response, like when we are now moving away from our sympathetics to our parasympathetics, that's when the weight comes off, right? Like the classic overstressed type A woman is going to say, well, I feel tired and wired. I can't, I'm like, I feel tired in the evening, but I can't seem to shut my mind off. I need coffee to keep me going. And the weight that I'm gaining is all through my belly. Like I'm getting this sort of like spare tire-esque, like through the lower abdomen area. And that's usually a sign that you are in a sympathetic dominant state. So we all start there. In the book, we sort of all start with like ways, like actionable items for you to start bringing down your stress levels. And we talk about all, you know, a lot of the experts that I've interviewed on my podcast, Emily Fletcher being one of them and other experts in terms of how we can actually get our brains online, like the higher centers of our brain to start to bring down that stress response. Yeah. And when we talk about metabolic flexibility and we talk about a body composition, we know that this intangible, because I call it the intangible, like it, we so rarely know when we're in that state. Unless once upon a time you were like me and you were a stressaholic and you thought it was your slight edge. I used to be like, let's let's bring on the epinephrine. Let's bring on the cortisol because I'm about to kick everyone's butt. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that was my super booster until I completely crashed into the ground. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And so what we know too is when we're in that sympathetic state that we co-elevate other hormones and we cause all kinds of all kinds of chaos. But one of the biggest hormones that we co-elevate is insulin. And so speak to me a little bit about one, clearly how critical it is to get ourselves out of this fight or flight state. And yes, there's so many wonderful techniques and strategies. I know that you're gonna have them in the book as well. But how can we be even mindful about that with our insulin levels? Like, is there anything that you're recommending as well? Because I was, I, you know, for so long, I understood 
the sympathetic nervous system and I got that I kept doing this, but I didn't realize I was stuck in this spiral of like insulin crashes and that I would want more snacks or something, a little, just girl, a little something to give me a little bit more energy. I was like, where is my energy? Give me me a hit because I got to get through this next three hours until there's another three hours, (laughs) you know, how women are. And so speaking to me, because I think this is one of the most critical pieces when we talk about body composition and a lack of metabolic flexibility is that we are borrowing, you know, we're borrowing from somewhere and ultimately we're not making it up over time. Yeah, well said. So I, I would say with the cortisol, it's really important for us to understand that in our in that sympathetic state, one of the major players there is the hormone cortisol. And cortisol is what's classified as a counter-regulatory hormone. So when we think about what counter-regulatory means is it is going to counter normal metabolism. So when, or normal circadian rhythms, I should say. So when you are presented with a threat, whether it is real or imagined, your stress response, including your cortisol, is going to increase. So what that's going to do is it's going to draw blood away from your center, so away from your digestion, away from your womb, you know, away from your immune system, because who, you know, if there's like a tiger, you know, in front of, we always talk about the stress response and we talk about like the proverbial tiger, right? So there's a tiger, you don't care about, you know, the invading bacteria or the lunch that you ate or, you know, reproduction at that point, you're just concerned about getting away. So what happens is the cortisol will throw most of the nervous attention into your musculoskeletal system. So it's going to throw blood into the muscles, into the periphery, because what we want is we want to get away. We either want to fight with our muscles, the tiger, or we want to run. So in both cases, we need blood and we need nutrients to be going into the muscles. So what cortisol does in terms of, as you were saying, in terms of a metabolic, the metabolic influence of cortisol is it keeps insulin around. So normally they normally they oppose each other, right? So normally cortisol is going to keep the blood sugar high. It's a regulator. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's a regulator. So it'll try to keep the blood sugar high so that it can throw that sugar into the muscles. But over time, when that becomes a chronic problem, now insulin can sort of watch this, you know, drama play out and 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 not do anything about it. So we'll see insulin beginning to rise as well. So initially in the acute response, cortisol and insulin sort of oppose each other. So cortisol will try to keep the blood sugar and the blood glucose around. But when when this is a chronic problem, then we see cortisol and insulin sort of rising together like sisters. So we see cortisol up and then because we have elevated blood sugar for a long period of time, then insulin has to do something with it. So insulin will raise and then that the job of insulin, of course, is to bring the glucose and put it into any cell. So whether that is a muscle cell, it is a fat cell, it is a liver cell, it is going to put it somewhere. And when your insulin is chronically elevated, you are always going to be using glucose as the substrate or as the precursor for energy. And you will never get into a more fat burning state uh, where you are going into the fat stores, open opening up the fat sores and actually breaking down the fat for use. Because fat, you know, or adipose tissue is, is, is the proper word for it, is actually just stored energy, right? So the excess pizzas and the burgers and all the things that we've eaten over the 
course of time that we didn't actually need, your body is a bit of a hoarder in that she will say, oh, extra energy. I'll just keep this around for a rainy day. So she will turn that extra food into adipose tissue. And for someone who's looking to improve their metabolism, or maybe they're looking for fat loss, or maybe they're looking to improve their body composition, or maybe to improve that excess weight that they're seeing creep up around the tummy over time, we want to be able to be flexible, to be metabolically flexible. And that means your ability to use glucose or carbohydrates or proteins as your substrate for energy, but also we want to be able to use fat, our adipose tissue, as a substrate for energy. Because when we break down our fat cells, so the triglycerides are like the storage form of fat. So triglycerides will break down into fatty acids and a a glycerin backbone, which will go through a process called gluconeogenesis, and then it turns into glucose. But Now we have energy that can serve most of the body. And then the fatty acids will go through a second pass through the liver and they'll they'll be turned into something called ketone bodies. So most everyone listening here has heard of keto at this point or the ketogenic diet, but the the name of that diet comes from your ability to produce, produce ketone bodies. And as a woman, this is really important for us to be metabolically flexible, to be able to use both glucose, which is important, and insulin is also important. It's not the devil, but it's you know, there are some really good uses for insulin, like here it helps with conversion of, you know, T4 to T3 and it's a, it's a growth factor. But when we abuse it, when we're always, when insulin's always high, this is when we really run into trouble. So we want to be able to use glucose and we want to be able to use insulin in the way that it was originally designed. And then we also want to have the flexibility to tap into our fat stores when we want. And in order to do that, I mean, we, we work through this in detail in the book, but in order to do that, we want to be restricting the things that cause an elevation in insulin. One is your stress, right? So getting a hold on your stress. And the other, when we think about this from a nutrient perspective, is going to be our carbohydrates and eating a carbohydrate appropriate diet for both your lifestyle in terms of how you spend most of your day, if it's in front of a desk or you're sedentary. And if you're working out, if you are someone who is interested in weight training and building lean muscle mass, there's also a time and place for insulin. So we, we play around with the timing of insulin or how we can you know, get a little boost of insulin when we're trying to grow muscles as well. I love it. Okay. So let's say, taking all of that information, let's say I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm listening to you. And let's say that, Stephanie, I know I'm still struggling with stress, girl. Okay. I got a lot of obligations, a lot of things going on. There's things I just can't remove off my plate. You know, I'm working on a couple of the self-care pieces, but I I probably know that I'm not going to be able to get a handle on all of it. On the other side, I am definitely concerned about my lack of metabolic flexibility, right? I recognize that this this intangible over here, this fight or flight or perceived stress, me running off late to meetings, or I got someone blowing me up on my text message, or, you know, my mother needs something, my daughter needs something, everybody needs something from me all the time, all the time. You know, that's always happening. I don't know how to turn all that off. (laughs) But I also want to work with what I got. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I find that there's so many women in that place. We're like, okay, as much as I'd love to be a Zen yoga master over here, it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, I got three kids. They're fighting right now. I got to get dinner on the table. I get it. Exactly. Yeah. I totally, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. But I also want to know how I can work with what I got, with where I'm at, despite that, 
and specifically around nutrition, specifically around my cycle, really understanding that, yeah, I'm doing a little bit of training, love to optimize that as well, but let's spend some time on food because I think food really, really moves the needle. And I feel like a lot of us, although you and I love to work out, not everyone does, girl. You know, know. what I'm saying? And so yes. not everyone does. Yes. <laughs> That's been my experience. But food is accessible. Food, we all food need food. Is, yeah. And we, we all can gotta all eat. make little changes that can swing the big door open. So how can we shift the way that we eat, what we're eating, how we're eating it? to help regain that metabolic flexibility, that we're not carrying all that belly fat, that we're not seeing the scale just move in the wrong direction of where we're trying to go. What do we do? I would say first, the first step is to forgive yourself for not being able to be a Zen master. And that's okay. Right. I think as the, the type A personality or the recovering type A personality, uh, type that I a have, Virgo over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, God, like, why can't I do it all and be the things? So giving yourself, I mean, the first thing is like, you're not going to be perfect. You're perfectly imperfect, right? So maybe you don't get the kids, like the, maybe they, you know, my kids, like my, they like their hair long. I try to cut their hair and they're like, ah, can I wait? You know, like, it's not going to be perfect. It's perfectly imperfect, but you're right. One of the biggest, you know, movers of the needle is going to be what you put in your body because what you put in your body is going to make up the structure of your cells. It's going to build muscle. It's going to help or detract from having a healthy, you know, healthy bones healthy skin, healthy brain, all the things. So in terms of how I like to structure this for people, the very basics is, is to move away from what would be classified and has been called the standard American diet. You know, SAD is the acronym for short, S-A-D, because it really is. It really is SAD. It's, it's very, very processed, lots of trans fats, lots of inflammatory vegetable oils, Truthfully, even people that think that they're doing keto or think that they're doing paleo and they're having paleo cookies and paleo protein bars and keto protein bars and ke- like or keto fat bars or whatever, if that's the primary constituents in your diet, you're still eating the standard American diet because it's not real foods. So the very first thing is, can we look at your pantry and can we clean it out? So can we now stock your fridge with fresh vegetables and fruit? Not fruit and vegetables, because everyone talks about it, fruit and vegetables, but vegetables and fruit. Fruit at the end of the day, phytonutrients, all the things, however, lots of sugar. It's still sugar, girl. It's still sugar. You it's have still a bowl fructose. of apples. It's like, yeah. it's still fructose. Exactly and your liver. Right. Can we talk about your liver having to break this down first yeah. before it even gets into the bloodstream? And so- I just want to speak into, and not, I, I love, and right now being pregnant, I'm not going to lie. I love me some, from berries. You're also growing another human. Like you, you know, you get a free pass he, there. He loves know? berries too. Yeah, and so <laughs> I am, I am eating berries, but fruit. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's fructose. I mean, just, it is what it is. And I don't mind being the bearer of bad news. I just think that we want to, when we think about fruits and vegetables, you know, when we think about the Health Canada or the USDA, like in terms of the recommendations that they make, it's often, well, like nine servings of fruits and vegetables. So if you eat like a bowl of apples, you're like, hey, I ticked off that box. And it's like, no, you didn't. You got to have the veg. Like the veg comes first. You're going to look like an apple if you keep eating <laughs> exactly nine right. apples a day. Exactly right. Exactly right. So think about when you're thinking about building your plate, I like to think about when you're looking at your plate, if you were to sort of look at a bird's eye view looking down on your plate, the majority of the plate should be green. So that could be spinach. It can be lettuce. It can be arugula or rocket for my uh, Europeans that are listening in. They call it rocket. I didn't know know, that. Yeah, they call it rocket. Uh, We have 
all the brassica family, right? Like the cauliflowers and the broccolis and the Brussels sprouts and all those really like the cruciferous vegetable group, bok choy and all those things. So all that should be making up the base of your plate. Your protein, if it is animal protein, which is something that I am a supporter of, we want to try to be having as much as we can grass-fed, grass-finished animals. Because when we think about vegans and like some of the, the big argument that they have in their, you know, they're right, is that the way that most animals live and die is inhumane, right? Like when we think about conventionally raised farm animals, they never see the light of day. They're put in these really close quarters. And then the way that they're killed is also really terrible. And, and you know, when you think about when the animal knows that they're going to die, they also have cortisol going through to, into their muscles, which you end up eating. So, you know, as much as you can, organic meats. And if, you know, that's not available to everyone, I understand that. Like when we think about our budget, if you can put as much as you can towards purchasing organic meats and poultry, uh, wild-caught fish. Dr. Bredesen talks about the smash fish, right? So sardines, mackerel, anchovies, and then herring. Salmon, uh, maybe? Salmon, yeah, salmon, yeah. Uh, so if we think about the smash fish, wild-caught, always, always better than conventionally farmed fish. So thinking about protein as about the size of your palm and then fat as the fill. So that could be, you know, an extra virgin olive oil. It could be avocado oil, macadamia, nut oil, like whatever, whatever oil you are using. And when we think about sort of the macronutrient breakdown of that, fat is very dense in terms of its calories. So you don't actually need a lot to, to get to a, a ketogenic state. Like if we're thinking about starting on a keto diet, you know, we want to be thinking about most of it coming from fat. But even before we get to keto, just building out the plate as like green on the bottom, the meat is about the size of your palm, and then fat kind of fills you up to the top there. So that's like step one is moving away from the SAD, the standard American diet. The second part is more of a female-focused ketogenic diet. And this is what is going to build out or to actually get the inherent pathways that you already have working. So we actually, all women are born with the capacity to burn sugar for fuel and the capacity to burn fat for fuel. The problem is we never we never access that pathway. So you know it's like kind of like the use it or lose the it. The fat pathway. We the have fat pathway. Yes. Yes. So using fat as an energetic source we don't often, unless we're thinking about it consciously and looking at our meal, we're usually in a glycolytic state or using sugar as our precursor. So the next step would be to move into more of a plant-heavy, not based, but plant-heavy ketogenic diet, lots of green leafy vegetables as we've been talking about, meats if, you, if you're if you a meat eater. Uh, you can do it vegetarian as well. So it can be done with eggs and- Organic tofu or tempeh or something like you that. You got it. Yeah, you got it. So we move into this metabolic flexibility. And for most women, I would recommend a minimum of 28 days or about one cycle of your period to go through that. Now, many women in my experience, and I've had thousands of women go through this program at this point. So at many, many women need more than that. So if you've been someone who's only ever had, who's only ever been sort of in the sugar burning state, it takes a little bit longer and you got to love and forgive your body for this. Like give her the runway to, to step into who you want her to be. Repeat that cycle one, maybe two times. Um, and by the sort of second repetition, most, most people are like, yep, I got it. I know I'm fat adapted. I can go for five hours and I don't need to eat. And you had mentioned something really important, which I just wanted to highlight. You said, you know, most women are like, I just got to get through like the next two hours. So I just need three hours and I just need a little hit. When you are fat adapted- sugar, girl. It's yeah. <laughs> sugar. It's exactly right. So when you are someone who's fat adapted, you can actually go for five or six hours without needing food. And even longer. 
Depending. Depending. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would say on average, like for me, I can go like five or six hours and I don't, I'm not really thinking about food. And then, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, it's, it's time for me to eat now. And my body will tell me. And so I intuitively can kind of, I've learned the language of my body, so to speak. So how long I can go between meals, I'm not having really sugary because what happens in that three hour, like I just need a little bit to get me through this next couple of meetings or whatever is you get the sugar hit, your insulin goes through the roof, right? And then she crashes. Right. And then you have this, like now you're coming back to the kitchen or you're going back to the snack bar for the next sugar hit. So that's also a really important when we're thinking about brain health and body composition. And the two are very much related to each other. When we're thinking about tapping into our fat stores, that's going to give you nice, clean, sustained energy throughout the day. So that's sort of phase two. And then just to finish it up, phase three is then once you've sort of lost the weight, if you, if that's your goal or you've regained, you know, that metabolic flexibility and you're fat adapted, then we start to bring you into eating in tune with your menstrual cycle. If you're in your reproductive years and if you're menopausal, then there's a certain rhythm and cadence that we take you through in the book as well. Okay, perfect. Okay. So that first step really is to get us into a the state that many of us have never gotten into, which is moving us more into a fat burning state where we're leveraging a lot of that fuel, fuel that we haven't we haven't taken advantage of very often, opposed to needing to eat consistently and more carbo carbohydrate based or sugar based little snacks to kind of get us through the day. Unlike many people in sort of the online space or in the thought leader space, I don't actually think women should be in ketosis forever. I think we need to get the cogs turning and then we can move in and out as we please. So I actually like it for a short nutritional therapeutic window. And then we move into sort of menstrual and then eating alongside your menstrual cycle. Absolutely. Well, what I love about the protein, fat, and focusing on the fiber, you know, the PFF is one, all of that is very anti-inflammatory and it also helps to reset insulin levels. I mean, there's so many side benefits. It helps to reset the gut microbiome. I mean, there's a lot of really big benefits. And I as well have seen that women, I have a shorter program. I, I can put women through a 14 day and notice that most of them need at least 30. But in those 14 days, they start to see a shift and they start to say, oh my gosh, something, some, wait, what's going on? Something's like, working here. I energy. I don't get it. What, what is going on? Yeah. But I'm not fully there yet. And so I'm like, we'll just keep on going. But you're absolutely right. I think even, even longer than that at times, because we're doing so much cleanup and we're doing so much hormone re-regulating to get our body into that state. And I also agree that we, we shouldn't stay in keto forever. There should be, again, it's a flexibility based on our cycles. We're not men. Men can stay in keto longer than, than we can, I believe based on the research that I've read. But for women, because there's a lot of energy, especially around our cycle, and especially the ebbs and flow of our cycle and our hormones, they're definitely, like you said, and that's what this whole book is about too, is really showing how we can leverage our cycle and to match it up with our nutritional profile. Yes. And another big tenant, I think that's important for every, every woman, no matter what your health goals are, is to learn how to respond to your body when she's talking to you. I think so many of us you know, the type A personalities, I'm kind of highlighting you here. We live in our heads, right? It's scary. Like we don't want to, we don't want to feel our feelings. We want to punch things out. We want to get the to-do list done. Da, 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 da. And as a result, we actually forget how to care for ourselves as women. And we forget in this more male dominated world that we actually are 
you know, sometimes we're softer. Sometimes we need to slow down and sometimes there's a time to quicken the pace. So when you sort of learn the ebbs and flows of your hormonal milieu, and we actually go through an exercise in the book where we get you to start tracking your cycle and we kind of break it down week by week so you understand what to expect, what's going to happen and dotting your I's and crossing your T's to make sure that your blood flow is is regular, that your testosterone levels are what they should be, that the luteal phase is doing what it should be. So, you know, once you sort of understand your natural rhythm, and even though, you know, my cycle is like 29 days on the money, like every single month, 29 days on the, but you know, yours might be 27. Someone listening here might be 32. You just have to learn how long you stay in each phase of your menstrual cycle, if you're still in your reproductive age, and then adapt to it, right? And that's the hallmark, you know, when we talk about your mom, you know, that's the hallmark of a sexy, empowered woman is because she knows herself. And one of the rites of passage, if you will, as a woman is to understand how you are uniquely different, not only just from men, but from other women, because we are all going to have, we are going to come to the table with different traumas, different big T, little T traumas, different environment, different upbringings. And while we all have kind of the same pieces, you know, and same parts, we're going to operate slightly differently. And there's a nuance between each and every one of us. So we're like snowflakes, you know, we're all, we're all kind of unique. I love it. Two things I walked away from that that I kind of want to revisit is one, absolutely right, knowing our body, like in our own individual body, it's it's about taking ownership. And it, you know, the thing about women is what I've, I've learned is that we are so great at taking ownership of everything. There had been a time where we had been brought up with thinking that maybe doctors and practitioners should know more about our bodies than we do. Definitely with women in, in the society that we've created. And I think it's becoming a time where we really decide that no one knows our body better than me. No, no, no one knows my body better than me. And if I want to see the changes and I want to to be an active participant, I've got to know my body and be able to adapt based on what my body is doing. And that is huge. And I know that's such a big part of this book. And I think a big part of the overall arcing message that we're having today is that it's it's a level of ownership. No doctor is going to put you on, on the plan to get it right. Because let me ask you, has a doctor ever, you know, has a, has a standard medical doctor ever done it? I'm going to have to say probably no. <laughs> this isn't what they're looking at. You know, working with your biochemistry and from a root cause approach to actually dial you in, your metabolism. Now, the second thing I loved was all of the conversation around intuitive, eating intuitive knowing. Now, when I find that we're in sugar burning state, type A, sugar burner, sympathetic nervous system, girl, I feel like the intuitive is like a little mini, little mini voice. It's like a whisper. You can't, it's a whisper. You cannot hear it. At the back of the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, you sh- shut up over there. Like, you and what you hear is you hear the hangry voice. Yeah. You hear the cravings voice. You hear the... The blood sugar just tanked voice. I find that when we're in a sugar burning state and we're constantly on the go, 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 we have a really difficult time tuning into that intuitive. Like it's so, I find it very challenging for women to know how to intuitively eat until we do the reset. 
and then they can. Now, can you remember a time where you 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 did not know what your body was intuitively telling 100%. you? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, yes. It's like most of my adult life. <laughs> exactly. And so, how good does it feel to like really know your body and to have that intuitive piece? Can we speak into that? So, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my little type A. I got the kids over here again. I'm trying to work it out over there. Do what I can with what I got. I want to be at a place where I'm intuitively eating, where I'm intuitively listening to my body. I'm doing the 30-day reset. I'm doing the, I'm going to get that locked and loaded. I've never listened to that level of intuition potentially. Although I think, you know, we, we as women, probably one of our greatest sources of power is our intuition. Totally. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how I can be more mindful in that department. So the first thing is never start off trying to be mindful when you're hangry. (laughs) (laughs) True that, girl. (laughs) So if you are there- I'm just trying to make sure I don't kill people. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm trying to do. It's like step back. Yeah. Get away from me. So I think that the work here comes- the first thing for me, at least in my transformation, I can speak to this, and this is what women have also relayed to me, is there's this realization that happens when- we are wanting to level up, whether it's a metabolism, whether it's like trying to get a handle on the chronic stress, whatever it is, that our thoughts are not us. They are not ours. They are just thoughts. So when we can, you know, just unhitch, you know, sometimes, you know, you have the, you know, you're in that glycolytic state, you're hangry, the kids are screaming, you got to get dinner on. That's not going to be the best time to take a breath and be like, listen, you know, like you have to, this has to be an ongoing dedication or practice for you in the times that are very calm and very manageable so that you can build up that resilient muscle, if you will, your brain muscle, if you will, in those calmer times. And then as you get stronger, you lift heavier weights. You try it in in situations that maybe have a little bit more of an emotional charge or a little bit more frenetic for you. And when you realize that your thoughts are there. I mean, there's sort of always sort of two voices, right? Like if you ever watch like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, and I'm totally aging myself here, but it used to be like the devil on the one hand telling Bugs Bunny, do this bad thing. And then the angel on the other hand, you also have those sort of opposing voices in your head. And I like to call her like the inner critic. I name mine. I call mine baby Steffi because baby Steffi's like her big triggers are she's scared. She's, she's, you know, afraid of being abandoned and she wants to feel safe. So whenever she doesn't feel those things, it's like the, you know, oh, my husband doesn't, he does, he's not interested in me anymore. Oh, he's getting bored of me. Oh, I must be putting on weight. I must got I got to, you know, there's this like sort of frenetic thinking that happens. And when you are thinking like that, if you find yourself saying like, oh my God, like I can't handle this. The kids are driving me crazy. My husband doesn't lift a finger and you know, all these different things. Know that that's coming from a place in your brain that is sympathetic. Know that that is coming from your limbic system, which is designed for you to just survive, to just get through the next couple of moments. But when you can just just put a little bit of distance between yourself and that thought and know like, that's actually not my thought. It's just a thought that's happening. It's just rapid, rapid survival thoughts. Exactly. It's just like a rapid survival thought. I love that. It's a great description of it. And you can, and you can say, okay, what's actually really happening here? Like I had this, I was sharing um, this to a friend the other day. Like I, and this is maybe a silly example, but it'll highlight the point, like how quick your inner critic will kind of pop up. I came down one morning, you know, my, my partner, Giovanni wakes up, you know, five in the morning. He does a lot of thinking, like deep thinking work. And it was like a Wednesday. He was giving a big event, like he was, uh, you know, doing an online event on the Friday. 
I came down. I was like, I'm going to wear like little shorts and I'm going to get some compliments from my husband. So I come downstairs in my little shorts and I was like, good morning. You know, like just waiting for him to be like, wow, you look so great. And he looked at me and like in his like kind of zone and he was like, oh, good morning. And like kind of went back to his work. And like my brain was like, oh my God, he totally didn't, does he not see how short these are? Like, uh, these are short shorts. Like, does he, does he, he didn't call them? Did he not see my butt? Yeah. Does he not see my butt? How could he, that's the only thing he saw. (laughs) How could he, whatever thought it was, squirrel, butt. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, well, I guess he doesn't love me anymore. That's like, that's what was in my head. I'm like, well, I guess he lost interest. So I was like, okay. So I caught myself in that moment. Thankfully I was like, okay, had my coffee, went down, did my yoga, did my thing, got into my frontal lobe and I came back. And so uh, several hours later, I went to him and I was like, Hey honey, this morning when I came down, you know, I was in the shorts and you know, like, did you notice? And he was like, oh yeah, honey, like you look so good. Like, I just want to tell you, like, you look so great in the show. And I was like, you know what I love? I love if you compliment me, like that makes me feel really good. But so I kind of had an adult way of dealing with it, but inside my head, you know, like the initial, like primitive, like, oh, I guess he doesn't love me anymore. Didn't like me in the shorts. So that happens like thousands of, and I share this kind of silly story to highlight that we all have you know, these triggers and we will have these automatic thoughts, these automatic, Daniel Amen calls them automatic negative thoughts and they happen involuntarily. You cannot stop them from happening. You got to make friends with them and you got to understand when she's talking. So for me, I was like, oh, there's baby Steffi. She's, fr- she's afraid of abandonment. She's afraid like, oh, he didn't compliment her on her shorts. He's going to leave her. She's going to be alone, you know, just her and her shorts and some sad little, you know, sad, sad state. So for the woman who is chronically stressed, is like balancing a thousand things and is like, I just want to make this happen. You have to just slow it down and understand that those thoughts are not yours. They've been implanted in you from, you know, I call them the fab four, mothers, fathers, teachers, preachers, right? Like your upbringing, your mother's voice and her own belief system, your father's voice, his own belief system, you know, leaders in your community, teachers that told you, you can't, you shouldn't, you must not, you cannot, whatever. So just know that you'll always have that voice. And then you also get to choose. You also get to choose your thinking as well. Um, And you get to choose better, better thoughts and better. And, you know, when you are able to choose better thoughts, you have better behaviors as well. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. It's so funny. It's such a contrast to my morning, just just that little, little short. So I'm, I'm trying to get dressed for this interview. And I'm so grateful, this pregnancy and everything, but it does feel like I'm wearing a pregnancy bodysuit. Like yes. it, it just, yeah. I mean, I've got stretch marks on my boobs now, girl. Like I was like, what happened? So yeah. I'm, I'm changing and it's, it's an awkward experience trying to get, and my, I can hear my husband, I can hear Alex come in and I'm like, oh goodness, he's, um, I just got little, little panties on and, and everything else is just hanging out <laughs> I, and I can't move fast enough. <laughs> and Don't he comes come in, in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and his eyes were like, whoa. Yeah. And he just starts coming towards me. <laughs> that's so, so funny. Hilarious. But that's like, that's so funny because like you think like I, it was so it's interesting as a pregnant woman, you're like, oh God, I must look terrible. But like when your husband looks at you, it's like, I I planted that seed in there. I did that. I He's love like, like I guys love it. that. Yeah, yeah. I love it's it's I'm like, you're taking all the credit. And I just it makes me laugh because I think a lot of people don't know how much because you know, I just want to just decide this is way crazy side note, real quick. Cause so many men are like, I did that. And I was like, actually, <laughs> the woman's reproductive system, you you have you have aimless wanderers. 
that you put into the system, into the body. And honestly, they don't know where they're at. They don't right. know what's going on. I said, the only way that you even got to that egg is that my body literally handheld you to the egg. Oh, like yeah. We, oh, we yeah. guide them there. And then the egg selects. Right. And then damn, it's so funny because the egg sends out a signal like I'm ready. And then she chooses who penetrate, like which one comes in. And then if one comes in and there's DNA damage or something, then like the egg will repair it. And then she packs a lunch, like she packs food for her and the, and the sperm as they travel down to, you know, implant themselves. So the, it is the egg. It is the woman. It yeah. is. It, it's our fallopian tube. It's our yeah. uterus. It's yeah. we're literally guiding the aimless wanderers who have no idea where they're going <laughs> to the egg. So I just want to speak to that and not to say that men still can't lay their claim, whatever they want to do. I just want to speak into the, the always in awe of the wisdom of a woman's body, yeah, man. including like, let me help you get me pregnant. <laughs> yes. Let, yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's so, it's so true, right? Like it's what we were saying, like the egg kind of, and and I was talking about this with Kate Northrup and she was talking about uh, her mother, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who I I think is going to be on your summit, on your hormone summit. And she was talking about this idea of egg wisdom and how as women, we can start behaving more like our eggs. Like the egg doesn't like run up and down the fallopian tube, like looking for the guy. And did he text me? Like, no, she's like, she's like, I'm here. You can come to me. The smart ones are going to find me. I'm the queen. I'm going to sit at the top here, right at the, if you can find me, then you're, you know, so she sits there. Then they all kind of like scramble the aimless wanderers, as you said, a couple of them find her. And she's like, okay, I'm going to choose from the people that, you know, the sperm around, I get to choose who comes in here and, you know, chooses one. If one comes in and there's like, like the egg will repair the DNA damage in the sperm and to credit Kate Northrup appropriately, she's like, and she packs a lunch. (laughs) So she has enough food for her and the sperm to make their several day journey down to the uterus and then they and then they implant and then you know the cell starts dividing and then you have a baby 9 months later but to go from two cells to like 2 trillion in 9 months like that is that is a woman that is a woman led process mhm mhm i just wanted yeah. to speak into that <laughs> yes and i wanted to speak into into yes absolutely having the the kind of the fear voice that that you are not your thoughts and how those can kind of play out but I thought it was so funny, the contrast of, I can't, I'm just, I'm running around the house trying to escape my husband half the time. I'm just always like, uh-oh, here he comes, which I love. I love that he just cannot, no matter where I'm at, no matter how tore up from the floor up I look, girl, he he doesn't matter if he's in what state of thought he is in, his his mind just goes right, right there. I have very rarely seen a man look at you the way, like the way your husband looks at you is something to treasure. It's, he is so, he is so, he has it so bad. He's been bit <laughs> so bad by the love bug with you. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I love this interview so much. Okay. So we have, we have definitely navigated some of the biggest concerns around hormonal imbalance, especially around the stress response system. We've talked about how we can, that first step to resetting our metabolism, getting that metabolic resilience, making us more metabolically flexible, whether we are going into sugar burning mode or fat burning mode, and then what it can look like to listen to that, that deeper wisdom-driven intuition and how that can begin to become our guiding light. 
And I know that there's so much more to be had in this book and, you know, and all the other different hormonal imbalances and how they interplay. It's all going to be in there as well, which I'm super excited about. Now, where can we get the book? How do we get our hands on this? Where do you want us to go for this book? Well, you can go to thebettybodybook.com. You can buy it on Amazon. You know, it's sort of all on online retailers. It's going to be, you know, far and wide there. And uh, I will also give your listeners a little gift here. So if you guys want to download a prepared a little meal plan for you, so I can, it's like a four week meal plan in terms of how you can cycle, how you can eat based on your menstrual cycle. And I'll give that to you as a link and you can put that in your show notes as a gift from me to you and for your listeners as well. That is perfect. I know we didn't get into the nuts and bolts of all of that today. So, and and I want women to know that you absolutely, we can eat intuitively for our cycle. And this literally, you're going to get the how-to done for you plan and strategy in this guide. So that way, if you're like, wait, I wanted more of that. Um, I did have Dr. Stephanie on in 2020, back in November, December, trying to remember when it was exactly. And we did a whole episode on on that, and we really detailed it out. And then you've got the guide as well, the how-to guide. So we got you covered no matter what. I'll have both of those things in the show notes. I'll have the last episode that we did together, just in case you guys want to hear that conversation in great detail. And then I'll also have the guide for you to get. But at the end of the day, get that book. (laughs) That's what it really comes down to. (laughs) So we'll have all of those in the notes for for this episode. Thank you so much for coming on and gracing us with your wisdom and your brilliance once again. I love you so much, girl. And I'm so, so happy for you. I love you too. And thank you so much for saying that. And it's been just such a, such a lovely time to spend time with you. And like you and I have so similar in our philosophies and our approach to women's health and, uh, and hormone care. So it's just, it's always great to spend time with you. All right, honey. See you soon. Bye. As you can tell, Stephanie and I are pretty much soul sisters from different countries. Stephanie's from Canada, but she visits the U.S. very often. Well, used to visit the U.S. often. And I cannot tell you how much I love her expertise in fasting and ketogenic research and how to pair it with our cycle to really optimize our hormones, metabolism, and body composition. This is what we need. This is the understanding that we need when it comes to female physiology. Now, when it comes to our bodies... It's very obvious that hormones are a big indicator, and that's what she was speaking in today, that we can use what's going on with our hormones to figure out how to eat and how to train for our bodies. Now, I know that we covered a lot in this interview, and it definitely can be hard to remember everything that we covered, especially when we get into the geeky goddess stuff. So I want you to go and check out her newest book, The Betty Body, The Geeky Goddess's Guide to Intuitive Eating, Balanced Hormones, and Transformative Sex. This book she has been working on for quite some time, and I'm so proud of her because it is incredible. So if there's things that you want to dive in deeper or you're ready for that transformation, definitely go and grab the book. It will be in the show notes for this episode again, along with the Perimenopause and Menopause Relief Summit, where again, she's going to bring the business there as well. So definitely grab the book, get your ticket to the summit, your free pass, and join me. She is one of my favorite talks on the summit. I know you're going to walk away with an effective action plan after tuning in to all of these beautiful interviews. Oh my goodness. So again, both will be 
in the show notes for episode 256. And I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on with me today. And thank you for listening to the Essentially You podcast. In my upcoming episode, I'm bringing on a dear, dear friend, and he's been on the show before, Dr. Will Cole. And we're going to be talking about his new book, Intuitive Fasting. And I just love this conversation so, so much. But again, looking at the physiology for people, especially for the female body, which Dr. Will Cole does so beautifully as well, we really get to talk about how we can eat for our own personalized body. Having that intuition, being intuitive about what you specifically need for your body. So tune on in to next week's episode with Dr. Will Cole and I. I promise you, you are going to love it. 